Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan with the Church of Jubilee. In this year of 2022, I pray that you are being blessed, that you continue to walk in God's favor, and that you continue to see the blessings of God upon your life. And everywhere you walk, that there may be an anointing upon you. As you listen to today's message, I pray that it would inspire you to continue searching the Lord, reaching for the things that are ahead and forgetting those that are behind. And I also pray that you begin to inspire and see a change in your life because of the Holy Ghost that is from the Lord. This week's message, I've entitled it Dead in the Garden, and it's important that you listen closely to it. I want to thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to share it. It means the world to us when you share it, when you uh, push this message out there to those who may not know or not be hearing on Facebook or on any of our social media platforms. But we pray to get this word of God out to everybody. And in the name of Jesus, may you have a blessed week and you enjoy this message that it would bless your heart and spirit. God bless you. Once again, this is Pastor Jonathan with the Church of Jubilee stand here today if you would just go with me in your bibles to the book of genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 again the book of genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 praise god we thank you jesus for this day god you are mighty we pray that you would bring forth your word today lord when you have it say amen all right, I've got one person. Genesis 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. All right, there we go. Let's read it together. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It's important that you listen to all of the scripture because something is happening in the scripture. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of everything? You shall not eat of everything? Every tree of the garden. I'm sorry. And verse 2 says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I've entitled today's message, Dead in the Garden. You may take your seats. Giving glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to give you a little bit of the background as to what's happening so you understand the situation that is in Genesis. Uh, the Lord has just got done completing and creating the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the very beginning of the Bible. If you go to the Bible and you find that first book, it is in the book of Genesis. And God has just created the heavens and the earth. And he's also planted a garden that, that what we know is called the Garden of Eden. And he plants it there and he's in this, and you know, has a designated garden and then he also begins to create man and he places him in the garden kind of like hey this is your little play zone this is your land you deserve this this is your property um and and you're to you know rule over this and and have fun with it it's yours 
And he also creates the beast, and, and he does this from, and human, from the dust and of the air. You know, he creates the beast of the air, the beast of the grounds, and he creates all these animals for, for men, so that they would be subjected under men. And, and then he allows, the coolest thing is he allows Adam to, like, name all the animals. That's cool, huh? Like, it's like a Lego piece, like saying, hey, here's your big old Lego set, and you get to put together however you feel. They're all yours. I already given them to you. You make whatever you want out of it, and you can name every piece whatever you want, and you're like, wow. Like, that's super cool. I, I think that's amazing. But the first thing that we want to look at is what God had made very clear. And there's one thing that he makes very clear. He tells Adam, Adam, you can eat from all the trees in this garden. There's all these trees, you know, and they're everywhere and they're fruitful. And some are good for the eyes. Some are good for taste. And you can do whatever you want with all these trees. But there is one kind of tree that I don't want you to touch. Okay? You with me? So Adam can eat from all the trees in the garden. This is God's garden. Um, Adam, Adam literally had everything he needed, every kind of good, pleasant tree, every kind of good um, trees that produce food so he could be fed and he would enjoy it. And he had the garden and the beast of the earth already, the beast, all of them, like plural speaking. Um, and the most important thing is that he had God himself, which is awesome, right? Because you're talking about if he thought, thought in his mind, God would understand him. That's how close it was to him. That's how close he was. He was like, he didn't have to even think. As a matter of fact, God probably already knew everything he knew that he needed to do. But God has made an order. And you see, the thing about the word and the Lord is that God has a certain way of doing things. He has a certain process. That's why he does everything according to specific detail. And, you know, you have in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he starts explaining how he did that and what he did and what he did this and how we did that and why he's doing it and and how he's bringing people together and and so he does all of that but I can't seem to understand how Adam being perfect in his sense at that point before sin hits him he is perfect and he still finds himself um you know falling into some kind of deception or temptation hallelujah he, he you know he's in this garden that he owns that God has given him and and he's like you know you can eat all the trees and you can eat all of them from everywhere and you have everything you need just don't touch the one tree that's it. It's simple. You have a billion trees in that garden. Just don't touch the one tree. That's it. That's all God said. And it's amazing how Adam still and Eve have still have that ability to, to you know, like, what is it about that? What about that tree there? No, that's the one that God said not to eat. But it looks so cool. It looks so awesome. It looks so good. Man, I can see the, you know, the nice shininess on the fruit and, and it's, you know, and it's good and it looks awesome. And, but, you know, God has declared, do not eat from the tree. Can you say amen? amen? Because the word says that if you do, God said, you will surely die. And anything, anytime I hear a word die, I'm like, okay, God, I got it. Definitely not going to mess with that, okay? Because <laughs> I don't want to die. So, oh God, if you tell me not to drive a vehicle, I'm not going to drive a vehicle then. Simple as that. I'm going to be obedient, right? Because God requires obedience. Can you say amen? amen. So he has set his order in place. He has set everything. He's given, you know, Adam all these trees and everything. So it's pretty awesome that he's given that as it is already. But, you know... All of a sudden, though, something comes into the play, and we find a serpent. And the serpent, the Word of God says, wasn't just any serpent. He was the most cunning serpent. 
okay? And I'm going to explain that. According to the Google Dictionary, the word cunning is defined as having or showing skill in achieving one ends by deceit or evasion. Let me take the two key words so you get it. Skill of deceit. Deception, deceit is skill, and that skill is deceit. And the serpent was the best of all the creatures that were on the ground that were there. Um, this serpent was no ordinary creature, and it was responsible for the deceit. And now I want you to think about that for a moment because many of you are, you know, in my lifetime I've said, man, why did Adam and Eve have to be so like, like, why did they do that? Like, and, and I'll put it in nice layman's terms, okay? I'm not, I mean, I'm just saying this like, why do you got to be so dumb? Like, why would you do that? You know, you have everything. God's given you everything. You walk with God. You have everything you need. And, and, and you still want to go to the tree that he says, don't touch the tree. Hello, don't go to the tree. But what about that tree, God? I already told you. Right? Okay. So you're with me. But then uh, the serpent comes into the picture. And um, this serpent has experience with deception. And, and the reason why is because he's the greatest of deception. He's already deceived. As a matter of fact, he's already deceived himself. The serpent has because it thinks that it's, it's greater than God. So it's trying to be like God, be greater than God. But it is never even nowhere near being a God. Um, but just so that you're on the same page, this serpent that we call the serpent is Satan. It's our enemy. And it's not a new enemy. He's been the enemy since the time from way before, since God kicked him out of heaven for being dumb, you know, for being crazy, for being rebellious, for showing disobedience to God. Because if it's one thing that God will not allow in his kingdom of heaven is disobedience. God will not allow you to disobey his word or disobey his command and you not have a repercussion for it. Can I get an amen to that? I'm not here to judge you in that sense. I'm here to let the word sit there and, and judge your thoughts and to think if you are not obe obeying God and you are disobeying, then there is a curse that comes with it. Don't believe me? Ask Lucifer, who was in heaven as an angel. Disobeyed God, boom, he's kicked out. What happens next? Adam and Eve happen next. They had, it, they had it made. Guess what happens? They disobeyed God. Where are they at now? They're on the earth. They got kicked out. Because God requires obedience. He requires discipline. He requires faithfulness. He requires you to continue on and listening and obeying his word. But it's interesting how the serpent, listen to this, because this is how Satan attacks most of our Christian uh, brothers and sisters. And if you don't, if you've not accepted Christ and been baptized, then you're an open sitting duck in a way, uh, you know, if you can say it in that sense. Um, the first thing the serpent says is this, and he speaks to the woman, because for whatever reason, the man is not in the picture at this time. He's probably out there, I don't know eating a fruit or something but this woman is kind of caught off guard you know and Eve is the woman that I'm talking about by the way and he asked this question listen to the way he says it he says has God said indeed what does that sound like to you let, let me let me see if I can put it in a nice in an easy way we understand did God really say this did God really say that he starts off by saying, has God said indeed? It's like, what? I just told you. If I'm Eve, I'm like, I'm just, I just told you, serpent, that God said this. And you come back and say, did God really say that? Can you say amen? 
Here we go. Tactic number one. The first tactic the devil uses in your life is to cause doubt. He makes you doubt your calling. He makes you doubt what God is doing in your life. He makes you doubt that he's even in your life. He makes you doubt that something's going to work because, you know, doubt is uh, it, it results in lack of faith. And without faith, you cannot please God. The word of God says without faith, it is impossible to please God. That he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You with me? Doubt results in lack of faith so the first thing the serpent does is he comes up to this to eve and says did god really tell you that jeez i wonder if there was another god in heaven then that might have told me that in, in error i don't know yeah i thought he did but maybe he didn't maybe he just said he was just thinking about it or maybe you know think about it think about it and this is where the enemy begins to place thoughts in your mind that it's not fair, that, God, why are you so mean? I can have all the trees in this garden, but I can't have that one? Oh, that's messed up, God. I'm not happy, God. That's messed up. That's unfair, God. You're, not, you're an unfair God. You're a, oh, what does the world say? Oh, you're a judgmental God because you judge people and, and you send them to hell. And No, no, God doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves to hell. That's just the reality. Because they fall prey to deception that Satan brings to their lives. Meaning, thinking, well, surely you don't have to accept God and be walking with God. You don't have to do that. You can live your life how it is, man. You do you. Or who says that? You do you, boo. Right? <laughs> but that's how the Satan attacks. He causes doubt. Man, God's not working in me. I don't know where God is. I don't even know if God is even true. I've never even felt God. I don't hear God. I don't know. And, and that's the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, come on here. I'm feeding you some more baby food here of, of deception. Here, keep eating it. He's mean and, you know, God wants you to, you know, he's, he, he's not telling you everything, Eve. He's trying to hide stuff from you. He wants to micromanage my life, you know, your life even. He, he's, he's a mean God because he allows bad things to happen to good people. That's a mean God. Does that sound familiar? We hear that, right? Everywhere. In circles and uh, people who don't know Christ, they believe that. And they turn atheist. Or they turn agnostic and they, they hate God and they have a bitterness. And, oh, he let that young kid die of cancer. How could he possibly do that? And I'll start off by telling you the first thing is sin is the reason why that happens. We're all born into this cursed world. I'm not saying that it's that boy, the little boy's fault. I'm saying that the curse of sin of mankind has a consequence. We are all going to die at one point in time. We all have a set date. We all have a set time. How it happens, we don't know. I could drive out of here right now, get hit, I'm dead. That's just life. And for everybody in this church, it, might, he was, it was too soon. He didn't live his life long. You know, that's why you have to live life the way God desires you to now. Can you say amen? amen. But anyways, I want to get to the point where I'm going. And this is this. This first tactic is that he causes doubt. And, he, and we forget the fact that there was just pure evil. Sometimes people are pure evil. Those people that walk into places and shoot places up, they're evil. That's just it. There's no explanation. God gives you free will. Do you know what free will means? means you can come into church and be like, yeah, no, I don't want God. I'm out of here. And you walk back out and you, you live your own life. That is free will. The moment God says, no, you're going to serve me, is not free will anymore 
And that violates God's code. Because God says, I've given you free will. Free will is the ability to say, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to go harm somebody or I'm going to go commit a crime. That's free will. Where's God in all of that? God is still the same God in heaven that he is, that he's always been. You make the decision by free will to make choices in life, but they have consequences. You can go rob a bank, but you're going to end up in prison. And you can get mad at God and say, God, why why weren't you there, God? He's like, I'm the one I was telling you not to go. But because of your free will, you did go. Now you'll pay the consequence. I love you, but you're going to pay. So Eve does the worst thing. Okay, here we go. So Eve goes and does the worst thing that you could ever do. And the worst thing, listen to me here on this because I need you to get this. This applies to our lives. The worst thing that you can do is have a conversation with the devil. What I mean by that, have a conversation with temptation. Sit there and entertain it and say, well, yeah, I guess it's not that bad. I, th- I, think, I think I'm okay with what I'm doing. I mean, it's not like it's going to hurt that much, right? I mean, or it's not like it's going to really make a big difference. Nobody's really looking. I, I think I can do this, you know. That's the conversation that Eve has with the, the serpent. It's a, it's a conversation that happens, period. Eve should have said, like, ah, oh, I ain't having none of you. I, I'm sorry. God said something. I'm out of here. I'm out. Boom. Let's go. Let's go. Adam, this, this serpent's bothering me. I'm sure, hey, Jesus, can you, God, can you take care of this? gone, right? But the worst thing you can do is have a conversation with the enemy. You cannot afford to sit there and allow your thoughts to be entertained by him. You cannot give him time. You can't sit there and say, well, is smoking weed really bad or not? Or, or, or is, is going and killing somebody really that bad? I mean, because I can always get forgiven, right? Or cause is robbing, a, you know, the food king right there, is it really that bad? I mean, because I, mean, I can get forgiven, right? Don't have those conversations. Don't have them. Flee from that. Because this enemy is a serpent and he's more cunning. In other words, he has a specific skill and his specific skill is deceiving us. Making you think that it's God's will, but it's further from God's will than you ever would have thought. You may think that that's something that you're supposed to do, and it's further from what God wants you to do. You may think that you're following on the right path, but then you realize, like, wait, if I was on the right path, I'd be closer to God. So am I really on the right path? Am I really not on the right path? It's time that we get a conversation with God. It's time that we stop having conversations with the serpents. Can you say amen? Amen. He is the master deceiver. And let me tell you this. I'll tell you this out of confidence because it happened to the people who were perfect in the Garden of Eden. You will be deceived by Satan if you have a conversation with him. He will lie his teeth, his teeth out. <laughs> he will lie his teeth out. He will, he will tell you everything you want to hear. But it's a lie. And then check out what he does. He's a master deceiver. You're with me on that, right? Don't have conversations because it leads to doubt. This is why we have like a thousand religions from one source. You ever think about that? The Bible is the Bible, but we have like a thousand religions. Why? Here's why. Satan is the master skill deceiver. We talked about them because he manipulates and he twists scripture like no one else. Listen to what he tells Eve in the book of Genesis chapter 4 verse 4. He says, you will not surely die. Like, you're not going to really die. Didn't he just say that? Didn't he say, had God said you would surely die? You're not going to really die. So the serpent, a.k.a. Satan, uh, rewrites and rephrases what God tells Adam. 
Because in, in the prior chapter, God says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, of your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan tells Eve, actually, Satan tells Eve and says, The day that you eat of this tree, you're going to be like God. What does that equate to? Power. What does this world say? Fame and power will get you where you want to go. You want to be a cool rapper, man? You want to have all of it? All? Where's my nephew? I needed him to hear this. You, you, <laughs> you want to be that cool guy out there wrapping it up? But the fame and power, it's a deception. Those guys aren't that happy on those like they are in those videos. And then women definitely aren't that happy exposing themselves like that on their own videos. There's going to come a point in time where they're going to sit there and say, I've been used. But think about the statement when he says, you're going to be like God. He's telling Eve, who was God's creation, that you can be like God and know all things. In other words, he's doing what he did to Jesus later on when Jesus walked the earth. He says, I'll give you this entire world. Don't you see? I have the kingdoms. Uh, look at the fame I'll give you and the power I'll give you. It's like, okay, God, you know, I, I can't even go there because God is so great. But yet this devil was like, I can be better than God. He, like he believes his own lies. He's that good. He's, he's yeah, he's deceived himself completely. He literally believes that he's greater than God. He's that good, you know? I mean, in that sense, not a good person, but he's that good at what he does. But he's offering the world something greater that is out there. There's something better that is out there than the life that God has given you. Go live it. Go enjoy it. Go have fun. Yeah, you may have fun for a while, but sin has a cost. Amen, that's right. Sin got Eve and Adam and Eve kicked out of a garden. That's true. Sin caused woman to say, from this point on, you're going to hurt and pain when you go into labor. You're, you're going you're gonna to feel it now. You thought it was bad before. Now I'm going to increase the birth pains. And man, oh, you're not going to escape because you listen to the woman. Now you're going to work in that dirt. And you're going to work hard. And you're going to sweat. And you're going to feel what it feels like to, to have a, you know, a, a situation where you're working and working and working and you don't have rest. Because all because Eve had a conversation with the serpent. So it's not good enough that Adam and Eve lived in the most beautiful garden of all times. They, they, they literally walked with the Lord. We, we talked about that part. And, um, and now the idea of wanting to be like God somehow entices them. The, the power that comes from, you know, being that popular like God. And let me just share with you that the devil is nowhere near God. The devil is not even a God. The devil is a fallen angel. We are above the angels. God created us above the angels. So the devil is way below even the, me, us and the angels because he's a fallen angel Amen. but what he does is he makes people believe that he's bigger and badder and greater and and he's all this and and all that don't get me wrong this you know the devil has an evil power that is in sin but it has never been greater than god's power never and it never will be my bible says otherwise that it would never be so forget you know the fact that you have a beautiful family before you because according to the devil, there's somebody better out there for you. Amen. Forget the fact that God has brought together a family, that God has brought you into somebody else's life because, you know, there's something better out there that God's hiding from you. 
Forget the fact that, you know, we have a church here today because, you know, it's just so much better to, you know, watch from a distance and not really have to participate. Or you begin to hear Satan's favorite fra- uh, phrase that he uses with people. If God is so, if God is so good and he's a God of love, but he's yet he's so judgmental and he's harsh. I mean, most of us are parents here. Amen. And what happens when your, your baby, your, you know, your son or your daughter do something they're not supposed to? You correct them. You correct them to teach them. Don't touch the hot water because if it falls on your face, it's going to burn you. If we don't, uh, don't be so harsh on them, Lorenzo. Brother Lorenzo, don't be so harsh on your son, man, or your kid. You know, you know, it's okay. You're so wrong on him. I'm trying to protect them from something greater. That's how God sees us. He's like, I've given you the ability to live free will, but there's certain things I'm telling you not to do. Stay away from the serpent. Stay away from what the world tells you is the way you're supposed to live and live by the tree that is the tree of life. And this new tree of life is the Bible. It is his new word. God says, live by my word and you shall know my word. Feed my, be fed by my word and you will never go hungry. All right, here we go. Tactic number three. I'm, I'm going through it. This, the ne- I want you to pay attention to this, okay? The next thing that in verse 6 that the word says that it was pleasant to the eyes. Hello, lust. People who lust, right? People who desire things that they see. People who are never satisfied because there's something always greater on the other side. Listen to what I'm saying here. It was pleasant to the eyes and good for food to make one wise. That's what Eve saw in that tree. She was deceived into seeing, oh, that looks, nothing wrong with that. It looks innocent. That looks pretty good. It's a nice tree. God said that, but I don't see any thorns on it. It looks great. And, you know, it's a big old appearance. And you're like, man, that looks great. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through with that. Or I'm going to be in a place where I shouldn't be because it doesn't look like it's going to hurt anything. What he uses, it was, it was pleasant to the eyes and good for the food. Satan's de- uh, deception, the way he, think about it like this. We talked about his tactic being deception, right? Well, if he has a weapon, his weapon is a visual tactic. He puts a screen before you right here, and he makes you see what he wants you to see. Not what's on the other side. He wants you to see what's before you. And he puts like a, a screen right here. And he deceives you because he doesn't show you the truth behind what you see. He doesn't show you that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Can you say amen? Amen. You are being deceived and you don't even realize it. And then you start realizing, you know, life is a lot better without Jesus Christ. I don't have to accept him. I'm living good. I'm not even struggling right now. You're looking at the screen the devil's deceiving you with. Just like he did with Eve. He made that look so good that she was like, oh, I got to get that fruit. And this is where the lie of, I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. But I'll tell you this. We have to use examples in the word of God so that it relates to us. So let me give you something that relates to you, to you and I. Okay? I want you to listen to this. When, they, when the disciples came to Jesus, at that point, they no longer lived for themselves. They now lived for Jesus. Do you understand? They didn't say, no, God, Jesus, I'm going to go do what I want to do, okay? I'll come to you when I'm ready. 
They said, he said, follow me. They said, where are we going? I'm going, God. I'm there with you. Absolutely. I'm there. They no longer live for themselves. Hallelujah. But they, be, they begin to live for Christ. And most of us, that's the problem. We want to serve Christ for the benefits. But we don't want the order. We don't want the obedience. We don't want to please God in that sense. We have good intentions, but we're watching through a screen. And we're being told that you're okay, you're fine. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. You're going to be all right, you know. You're not struggling right now. And, and you may not struggle for a while, but one day, you're going to need a God. Have you ever heard this saying? Yes. There are no atheists in foxholes. A foxhole is where you're, it's just you and your gun and you got everybody around you about to go and shoot you up in war. Yeah. And the only thing that you have in that moment is you and your rifle and the thought of if there is a God, yeah. God, just save me right now. It's a proven story. You talk to, you read it, look, look it up. There are many people that have been through that. Brother Juan, can you give me a hand on the keys? Most of us should already know how the story turns out because we're still suffering today because of what transpired in the Garden of Eden. And so for some of you who think, okay, well, she, should, she didn't really die. You know, she didn't die a physical death. You, you might have thought that. It wasn't a physical death. It was, a, it was like you were going to die in the sense of your closeness with God was going to die. There was a sacrifice that was going to take place, and you were going to feel it. You were going to know instantly that something went wrong, and you made the wrong decision. That part of dying was you could have been in heaven living with Christ in a garden and living it, really living it up, having a great blessed time. But because you ate from the tree, now. Now something dies. Now that bond that we had no longer is there. Now you're on earth. But God was referring to the fact that the spiritual being would no longer walk with God. And I'll tell you this. Let us all stand. The moment that Adam and Eve were disobedient. That was the first sin. That sin happened because of disobedience. Now the beautiful thing about this story is that when God comes and sheds his blood on the cross and he dies for you and I, because he came and made it right, because if not, we would have never had a chance. But he makes it right and he comes and he dies for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And all he requires is what it required at the very beginning. Obedience. Will you obey my word? Will you obey my command? Hallelujah. But I think some of us, you may find yourself having a conversation with a serpent in your life. You're thinking that it's better to go your way or try your way or to try the way your friends say or maybe some of you have friends that influence you for the wrong reasons and and you're really influenced by them and when they tell you to go do something you know you're not supposed to you still want to go do it it's a lie and it's a deception don't wait until you lose it all like adam and eve church come to the lord while your repentance can be found and I'll leave you with this. In the book of Psalm 51, 17, 
This is what God feels, and this is how important it is. The Word of God says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. So I want to pray for you. If you if there is a special need, I want you to come forward. I'm going to open up this place here so we can pray with you. And uh, I want you to think about the scripture I just read. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, meaning he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for you to come to him perfect. He's not looking for you to be all washed and clean. He's looking for you to come broken. Because we're all broken at one point. Because we all go rounds with Satan. And God has to pick us up. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. Let me clean you up a little bit. You're in a little bit of a scuffle there. But I had you. In case you got out of hand, I was there. So I want to open up this place. If you need prayer, if there's a need, I want you to come. I want to pray with you. And let's just begin to let the Spirit of the Lord move in this place right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Let's go. Let's, let's get into the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Praise Him. Thank you. Thank you.